Well, hey there and good morning. It is Tuesday, February 8th, 2022. A very happy, safer internet day to you, Kelly Collis. Oh, it, it should be that every day. It really should be. Today's the day where they offer like resources to keep kids and adults safer on the internet and not going to like the weird spots of it and making good choices online. All of those no. things. Maybe I should take my kids' phones away then. Yeah, tell them. They'll be like, we're celebrating a holiday, kids. Give me the phones. <laughs> they would not like that at all. Live from DC. Broadcasting around the Beltway and beyond, it's Tommy and Kelly made in DC on the Real Fun DC channel and on demand anytime, anywhere you get your podcasts. All right, let's get started with the new professional sports team that you are quite the stan of these days. Uh, yeah, so I I did not realize, uh, partly because it, it, they came here during the pandemic, that D.C. has a professional rugby team. Uh, and it's, it's really interesting because they did have a season in 2020. And then, you know, things got weird after that. Um, but I didn't realize it. So I got invited to their media day and I was like, yes, please. Especially since the baseball season is a big question mark. Let me get behind a professional sports team that their season actually starts next week. And all I know about rugby is it's very close contact. So you really couldn't socially distance rugby. No, but they were actually were able to have a successful season in 2020. So, awesome. yeah, I know it's, re it's really interesting. And I'm just learning about the rules and the different strategy. Um, but I did get a chance to um, talk to one of the players. Uh, he actually grew up in D.C., he went to Gonzaga High School, oh, and cool. um, it's just so cool. His name is Jack Zakara, and uh, he talks a little bit about how he never thought he'd be work playing for a professional rugby team right in his hometown. I was born over in Europe and came here when I was two, uh, so rugby was a big part of my family. Um, my older brother played, my younger sister plays, um, so it was a real big part of our family, but at the time, um, there was no professional league in the U.S., uh, so you could play college rugby, which I did, but there was no avenue to a professional rugby league in the U.S., uh, so maybe some aspirations to potentially go overseas one day, but to have a team like this in our backyard where I could play in front of my family week in and week out was, was never on the radar for me. And now he's making it happen. And you have a whole conversation with him too on the podcast feed. Just go ahead and look back to the past episodes. I loved, I listened to it. I, I loved yeah. your chat with him. Yeah, it was great. And also just a little bit of background of how you can go see a game. Old Glory is the name of the team. You can look them up um, and get tickets. It's a 5,000 person stadium. It's actually in Leesburg. Cool. Um, but that's okay because the Washington football team or the commanders play in Landover. So <laughs> we still consider that sort of the Washington, D.C. area. Um, and they practice at the St. James. And one thing I will tell you that's really cool, because you know I love to hang with professional sports players. Um, yes, you do. <laughs> Uh, that the the sort of the spirit of these teams is that the rugby players after the game really go into the stands and hang with their fans and take photos and it's like very interactive and very friendly on both sides. That's cool. Uh, so it's kind of an interesting experience. I can't wait to go. I'm going to wait till the weather gets a little bit uh, warmer because uh, it is an outdoor stadium. But they do practice at the St. James in Springfield. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, which is where I got got to meet them and see, like in rugby, there's like kicking, jumping, they like hoist each other up. I mean, it's it's super interesting. What was the like rugby fact or rule or rugby thing you learned most that you were like, huh, that's really cool? There's a player, um, his position is called a jumper. And literally when the ball goes out of bounds or there's a penalty or whatever, they hoist this guy 
up in the air to kind of like block the ball. Like two guys hoists this one and he's he's the jumper. Like he literally jumps up in the air. Oh. I didn't know you could do that. Yeah, well, there you go. Look at that. <laughs> and the, at rugby players wear shorts basically in any temperature. So because they were it was a really cold day and they were all in shorts. <laughs> Big it's commitment to your sport, you know, that, that you yes. gotta you gotta be committed to, to get in there. Yes. Yeah. So it was great to see that. Um, I'm excited to, to, for them to make a splash here in D.C. And, and get some fans. Welcome to town. Old glory. Some Very news cool. that we didn't um, really plan for, although it happens every year, <laughs> happened this morning. Okay. <clears throat> what is your favorite season? Awards. <laughs> Love that moment from Schitt's Creek. Yes. But the Oscars, apparently they're doing it again this year. Yes, they are. So they just came out and, and we're just kind of looking at them. There's a couple little factoids I pulled out. So the, the leader of the pack seems to be Power of the Dog, uh, which has 12 nominations. So kind of in all the major categories, including Best Picture. Um, and then kind of behind that is Belfast, West Side Story, and Licorice Pizza. Um, so that's kind of... Those are big movies. I haven't mm -hmm. seen. I've seen Power of the Dog. I it was all right. I mean, it's it was all right. It's just all right. It's all right. Yeah, just all right. And then I guess the other one that's kind of cool. So Nicole Kidman for being in the Ricardos. Mm -hmm. Um, Kristen Stewart for her role as Princess Diana and Spencer. Wow. And then the um, first female cinematography cinematographer for Power of the Dog was nominated. So that's kind of cool. Nice. And then um, there is. Will Smith was nominated for two Oscars. So um, for best actor in King Richard. And Which then was he, so good. I have not seen that yet. It's, it's, it's on the so list. It's so good. And then he produced um, uh, King Richard. So he would also be up for sort of the best picture oh, uh, wow. role as well. Um, and then there are two couples that have been nominated. Um, so Jesse Plemons with Kirsten Dunst both got they were both in Power of the Dog and they both got nominated for their roles. Oh, cool. And then Javier Bardem for being in the Ricardos got nominated, and so did Pen Penelope Cruz, who's his wife, but she was in another movie. Ah, huh. So I don't know. That's kind of cool. Yeah, being the Ricardos, um, I I went into it like super skeptical, and I loved it. I did not like it. No, I did not like it. I mean, the acting was amazing. I mean, Nicole Kidman is unrecognizable almost. I mean, she's yeah. just, she looks just like Lucy Ricardo. I don't know. I just didn't, I, the storyline. Uh... In the end with the phone call? And oh my gosh, that was so yeah. good. Yeah. I also like movies mm -hmm. that like not to give, um, like not to give like too much away from it because of like the point of which, like the, the movie is about a certain point of their career. Um, but I like that kind of where like it didn't end with like Lucy dying, right? Like, right. It, it was a it snapshot. Like, yeah. Time. It just gave us that like moment of like that transitional moment of their lives. I kind of like that. Yeah. And the style that it was done, it was like, it was almost like America's most wanted. There was like a reenactment kind of like Nicole <laughs> Kidd and Javier Bardem were like reenactments and they had like interviews with real people in it. It was, it was very surprised. Like what's happening in the beginning, but then you kind of get into it. Right. And then you want to like figure out the rest of their story because you yeah. don't get to hear the whole piece. Jessica Chastain was nominated for um, Tammy Faye Baker, right? Yes. Oh, my God. Yes, I did see her. Yeah. Did you watch that one yet? No. So I wasn't aware of the whole like Tammy Faye Baker. Like I just knew her as like the soundbite toward the end of her life. I didn't know her like 
I didn't know yeah. about like, you know, the network Generation and the, all the yeah. things. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Jessica Chastain was excellent in that movie. Yeah, she was really good. She's really good. So that that will be, um, you know, it's always good to get the Oscar noms, too, because then you got to go through the checklist of movies that you haven't seen. And so much is now available and streaming. So there's so much of them that I haven't seen. But I feel like that's sort mm. of like, I don't know. We talk about this every year, but like awards. Are we doing that again? OK. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, hopefully it's going to be great. Everyone's going to not have problems, but I feel like every award show, it's a meeting that could have been an email. I know I've said this before, but I feel like they could have just as easily been like, here's the winners. And today we would have been just as excited. Yeah, we'll see. It airs you... at some point on ABC at some time, I guess. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> awards i know i know um okay let's talk about a really cool event that's happening in dc um and i'm a part of and i'm super excited because you know i love to shop mm -hmm. uh there is a sample sale that's coming to dc and tickets are now available to go and it is beyond just a sale it's more of an experience it's at the darcy hotel on february 19th and there are a bunch of retailers that basically have inventory the wazoo <laughs> there's ten thousand items <laughs> holy cow curated yes um and doing a time ticketed event uh, or and um admission because um we want to limit the crowds coming in mm -hmm. but we've teamed up with the fray and with a uh, e-commerce website that does a lot of the works with a lot of these brands that has a lot of inventory and we, we're doing cocktails and giveaways and raffle prizes and all sorts of fun things. Um, all the details are in sample sample.sample.sample.com. But I'm really just kind of, um, and because this is like a sign of returning to normal. There used totally. to be these happening all the time in D.C. People want to go shopping. They want to get out. They want to go with, with their girlfriends. It is, it is women's clothing, although everyone is welcome. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I just I, I think it's exciting to be able to do this in the Darcy Hotel, which is right outside of Logan Circle is newly renovated and hip and fun. So, um, yeah, I'm I, I'm super excited and, and just to see people getting together and shopping. All right. So give me the scoop on this, because like before we started our hee haw, you were city shop girl and you had um, your your e-commerce and your um, your online newsletter. And this is kind of a throwback to that. Uh, yes. Why is it called Sample 22? Is it because of the year? Um, so yeah, it was a it's a play on the year because it's the first time we're doing it, and I think we're gonna do it again. Um, but this is what's really cool: every piece of item, every item in there is twenty two dollars. Oh, like yeah. everything. Everything. So there's dresses, there's tops, there's skirts, there's pants, there's sweaters, there's jackets. Everything's twenty two dollars. Wow, yeah. you're gonna get one of those like good old school tug of wars over a twenty two dollar jacket for um, sure. Yes, I, I well, I hope not. I hope people are respectful in these, this day and age. But yeah, that that's the 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 goal of it um, is to to move the inventory, but also make it like really affordable and fun. And like think old school sample sale, like boxes and boxes of clothes. You're digging through them. Uh, at, you know, sizes and different styles will be all mixed together. So, and you only have 45 minutes to shop per per window. Oh wow! So you come in and then you're like, all right. Yep. 11 o'clock people scoops. Yep. And then wow. we have raffle prizes every hour. So for the, for your ticket, you get a raffle entry into the raffle, you get cocktails, a tote, 
and then you get to go shopping. So are you thinking like book the earlier windows, like strategically speaking, or are you going to be replenishing stock as it goes throughout the day? Or mm -hmm. can you not tell me we're, that as a we're not, we're, we're not replenishing. I will tell you that the tickets to get in in the earlier hours are more expensive, but oh. that would be, if I, if it was me shopping it, mm -hmm. I would do the earlier hours. If you want a little bit more laid back, you never know what gem you could find at the bottom of the box. That's true. You can go in the later hours. Very cool. And it's sample sale22.com. Yep. Very cool. And we're, Instagram and TikTok, we have, we're putting up all the stuff and what we're giving away. Um, we got a bunch of DC vendors to get involved and do some great raffle prizes as DC reopens Love once it. again. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> it's the re 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 reopening. <laughs> totally. Very cool. And it's on yes. uh, Saturday, February 19th. Yes. And I need to say, we you're only allowed in with full vaccination and ID, double double vax uh, and ID. Awesome. At the dark following hotel. the DC mandates from Mayor Bowser. There's Very my disclosure. Cool. Yes. Yeah. That's awesome. Wow. You've been working really hard on this behind the scenes. So I'm glad we're finally able to talk about it. Yes, I'm very excited for it. You will be there. Will, will you be like offering, um, you know, tips or will you be like helping to throw elbows or passing out <laughs> drinks? <laughs> uh, a little bit of everything. Okay, it's perfect. a family affair. The husband's going to be there. My daughter's working at the checkout. You know, it's it will be a family affair. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So if you get there in the early window, you get a better in theory shot at shopping. But if you go there in the later window, you get to see Kelly after 12 hours of work and a couple cocktails. <laughs> so either way, <laughs> it's a win. I guess so. SampleSale22.com or check them out on Instagram, TikTok, all over the place. That's awesome. Yep. yep. I'm very excited. And we'll be talking about it um, some more here before, uh, before, this, before the event starts on February 19th. All right. Um, I, I don't know. This is one other shopping note. We have a bunch of things that are happening in D.C. Just one little shopping note. Rihanna's coming to D.C. <laughs> um, so I don't know if you knew this, Tommy, but she's got a lingerie line. Yes, I knew this. OK. And so the first br brick and mortar place is going to be here in D.C. Wow. Um, just kind of incredible. Um, and she uh, was is then opening up in a bunch of other cities. But I think kind of like um, reminds me of Victoria's Secret before it like it became like just a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> You know, like Victoria's Secret. What does Secret that even like mean? The, Hang on. What like does from that the mean? Late, from, from the late 90s when it was sort of a novelty to go into Victoria's Secret before it became just like eh, perfume and pajamas and all the things. This is more when, like lingerie. When they were selling, selling the Love Spell perfume? No, even before then, when it was just oh. like bras and panties, that was, you know, maybe a little pieces of lingerie. I mean, right. now it's like active wear and all this other stuff. So uh, very exciting. I don't know do why you, she picked DC, but that's great. Yeah. Do we know where in DC? I do not. Oh. Do she not. didn't tell us yet. In theory, she might show up for this too, right? Well, she's pregnant now. So I depending on baby time, pregnancy, traveling, all that. Kelly, pregnancy is not a condition. She can still work. I the doctor <laughs> said you, know, you don't want the baby being born on a plane somewhere. That's very true. But I feel like she's got her own plane. So That's true. There's even <laughs> menswear in her um lingerie are you, are you checking it out i'm on the website right now yeah huh store locations i'm just doing a quick look to see if we know where um this is the savage yep. x times fenty stores yep you know where it's gonna be where the fashion center at pentagon city huh national landing 
Wait, I think that's open already. Is it not open already? I don't think so. I don't think so. Huh. Look no. at that. No. Look at that. Rihanna's Rihanna's putting Pentagon City on the map. <laughs> Again. Oh yeah. Um I the Pentagon is there. <laughs> right. That's true. <laughs> that that kind of puts it on the map. Maybe she was like, Alexa, where should I go in, D- in DC? And Alexa's like, as a matter of fact, I heard National Landing's pretty great. <laughs> right. You know, Jeff Bezos. Amazon, all yes. the things. Mm-hmm. Well, from happy lingerie news to kind of sad flamingo news, um, the oldest living Caribbean flamingo in North America has passed away. Her name was Betty. She was 67, and she was Aww. a resident of the National Zoo. Oh, Betty. What's, in- what's incredible about Betty, though, is that um, she lived double the average life expectancy of a Caribbean flamingo. And um, according to the National Zoo, she was known for being like a foster mom or a stepmom to the other little baby flamingos who like were, you know, hatched without parents. So Betty leaves behind a wonderful legacy of caring and and awesomeness. Maybe she's hanging with Betty White. Yeah, truly. Right. Like also, if you have a kid, name it Betty between Betty White and Betty the Flamingo. My goodness. Longevity is the the thing. So, yeah, I, I was like sad, had sad, sad, happy about that news today. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. um, big news as well. Um, well, I guess big news or the beginning of big news. The uh, National Park Service put out a call for comment, which we know how much everybody loves to comment. Uh, they are looking at doing a memorial um, for those who passed in Operation Desert Storm and Operation Desert Shield. And they're talking about... Um, where it's going to be and they're doing like land surveys and i saw this press release this morning that they're talking about a location at 23rd and constitution northwest so um like kind of on the like toward the side of where the lincoln memorial is and uh by the institute of peace right over there Mm -hmm. um that's one of the places but it's funny because it's um definitely a press release about the beginning of a process that is very art that is very like bureaucratic and so it's a request for comment about the location that could possibly see how it affects the environment around it. But there's also two alternatives and a third alternative is no memorial at all. And so they want to get comment from the public before between now and March 8th. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I know that spot that that's, it's like a random piece of, there's nothing there. It's just like yeah. grass. Yeah. It's so... like the back end of where there's like some softball fields. Yeah. yeah, that yeah. Huge I think space they had of land. Dinner on Blanc was there. Other side of the street, but yeah, to, yeah, that oh, same, it's other side. That okay. same area. Yep. So um, that would be that'd be really cool to to memorialize uh, those people who were were lost, um, and hope, to memorialize the conflict of Desert Storm. I hope we can make that happen. Yeah, in you know, the next couple of right. days. It will, it will take a, it will take a while. <clears throat> yeah, but it, it's moving. You know, one step at a time. Here we go, <laughs> DC style. <laughs> yeah, I I feel like the um. Like the the timeline that they strive for is like faster than the Washington Monument took. <laughs> I mean, I guess that could be a benchmark because that took a very long time. So, like, yes. if that's the standard, my goodness, we're 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 you know ahead of timeline and under budget. Way to go! <laughs> I know, I know. Well, we've had like the MLK memorials mm-hmm. relatively new. You have um, the um, African American Museum that's mm-hmm. relatively new. I mean, these things take time, but you know, it ha- they do eventually happen. World War II Memorial is relatively new. I mean, if you yep. compare it to the history of like the Lincoln or the Washington. Yeah. 
the um the Native American Veterans Memorial, which is outside the museum. It is, by the way, gorgeous. It's on it's like above water. So you kind of like walk out on this land bridge and then there's like a ring and there's like fire when it's like all moving and everything it, that opened up during the pandemic and it's outside. So it's beautiful, beautiful, like to go see yeah. it. And also the Eisenhower Memorial opened up uh, during the pandemic off of independence. That's true. that's true. Which was this, like, it's like a very like large sprawling piece of land um, by the air and space museum. And that happened like in the height of the pandemic when they were like, Hey, we've invited six people to come to this thing. Right. <laughs> it's open. Um, <laughs> but like as somebody who, like runs down and around there, you see people like kind of poking around and the national park service um, officials who are there uh, are always like, so like polite and like you can ask them anything because I think it's not as well known. So they're just like yeah. happy when someone like swings by. <laughs> Where I imagine the folks who work at the Lincoln are like, enough, yes, he's up there, yes, he's on the bill, yes, yes, also that, yes, that's where the speech, yes, over there, yes. But the the Eisenhower folks are like, hey, what do you want to know about Ike? What can I tell you? Very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you've had a couple issues um, with something you thought you were going to love a lot. And then you didn't. Yeah. And just like that, there were issues. Okay. So I, I'm not going to get into the, the Sex and the City reboot. I'm not going to get into all the storylines. But there is one storyline that just bugs the crap out of me. You and I are podcasters. This is on a podcast. Correct. Yes. Okay. One of the plot lines is that Carrie, the main character, Sarah Jessica Parker, has a podcast. Hmm. I want to show you. I've got many issues with it, but I want to show you <laughs> exhibit one. Okay. Um. This is Carrie sitting down to do her podcast. This is that I believe the final episode? What What do you see, Tommy? What is she, she's actively talking? What What's What's the problem? <laughs> well, she's got a really great microphone. As a matter of yes, fact, it took us a long does. time in radio for them to spring for those microphones. Yes. and she's got an arm on the microphone that is below camera level, so she could be on camera. And she's got really good headphones, though she's not speaking into the microphone. Correct. It's a directional microphone and it's like down by her like waist almost. <laughs> and it's so annoying. She doesn't move it and she just talks like this. I'm like, it's crazy. Okay. So that's just, and I noticed that in the, when they first showed this, the other issue is, is that she has a producer and um, the producer is gorgeous. He is very good looking. Okay. Um, and you and I have gone to radio trade shows and have done <laughs> a lot of things with people on radio. And there's a reason why they say that you have a face for radio. Okay. I have never seen a producer look <laughs> as handsome and as savvy. And he's like older. He's like in his probably in his fifties. And a podcast so producer. Right. Well, this is my other issue. Where is this? It's the, the studio is like somewhere in Manhattan, right? High rent district. I know it's on the 35th floor because I saw it when they were walking into the elevator. Okay. Who's doing this? Like, wh wh what's the funding? She's just like, I have a podcast. Well, we know how hard it is to fund podcasts. Mm -hmm. It is oh, almost damn near impossible. And very, very few, with the exception of, you know, the guy that's in the news a lot lately, make millions of dollars doing podcasting. Mm -hmm. um, so that's my other issue. And then in the final episode, she takes live calls. What is happening? Yes. Yes. No, ma'am. You are a radio show host if you're taking live calls. Exactly.
exactly. And and for people in podcasting, why the technology is there to bring in, you know, feedback and calls, like taking live calls, like one that means that someone's listening to the podcast live, which kind of goes against podcasting because podcasting is essentially on demand. True. She, I just, it, it annoys me. <laughs> like, I just, they put all this care into the fashion and to this and that. And then they just like, I mean, you and I could have been podcast consultants and, and really up their game. Uh, you know what? We were available. <laughs> right. Of all the things though, like that you questioned about this thing, like she lives in a brownstone in Manhattan. Couldn't she wrote a advice column or something that she wrote for? Yes. We, you and I know a lot of print journalists. Not a lot yes. of them living in brownstones. Yes. I, I That's what I said. There's lots of issues with the plot line, mm -hmm. but this was just one that I'm just was so like the microphone, like that's when I had like my final, cause that's like from the final episode, the final scene and the final episode. Cause it ended last week. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I've got to say something about this. I, I got it. Just, this is ridiculous. Wait, does it end with her? Like surmising the world in her podcast? It's kind of, sort of and then she like kisses the, her producer in the elevator that's the last scene and there's no storyline with him at all and like he's kind of in the back you don't really see him i don't even know his name and then she like starts making out with him well probably because they couldn't make out with big because <laughs> he no. wasn't invited to the finale no <laughs> i even know that and I, I haven't seen a single frame of sex in the city no, and he's just so cheesy. He's like, I want to produce you. Like, you do what? Produce do what? So do what? You have a podcast? I, it just makes no sense. Sir, it is 2022. A woman can produce herself, right? Right. You're right. The she doesn't need a man to produce you, sir. <laughs> well, there's that too. All right. Anyways, I just, it was so annoying. And I felt like I was by myself and then I started Googling it. And there's lots of articles of podcasters <laughs> and social media people, podcasters posting up being like, what the hell? Wait, there's other people who thought this besides just you. Oh, oh yeah, it's all <laughs> over Twitter. It's all over Twitter. I felt so vindicated. <laughs> Perfect. You can maybe form your own group, Kelly. You could do a podcast about how bad the podcast is in, and just like that. Yeah, there are actually multiple podcasts about and just like that. So I'm sure someone's talking about it. But I, I, I you know what? It's over. I, I, it happened. It occurred. Put it in a box. We're done. It kind of feels like they've left you wanting less on this. Like after Sex and the City, the series, everyone was like, "Where's the movie?" Ah! But it feel, I haven't heard people being like, "Hope there's an just like that movie." Yeah, I please don't, <laughs> please don't. Kind of like the flamingo. Sixty-four, seven years had a good run. <laughs> right. Let's just enjoy it for what it was. Got it. All right. Um, the Olympics are still going on. I have been watching the Olympics like crazy and it's like time travel Olympics because it's happening in Beijing and things are tape delayed and I'm not really sure when it's on TV and I'm not really going to search it online. I'm watching it on NBC. And so I'm just watching whatever they're giving me. I'm like, figure skating time sounds great. Ski jump time. Awesome. Let's do it. But um, Mame Baini, our um, Olympian from Reston, she came in 13th um, overall in her short track speed skating uh, event, which she wasn't super thrilled about. And uh, she posted on Instagram about it, but she's also like disappointed, but is unable to be like down. She's just like the happiest, like sunshine human ever. Like even her looking disappointed in her Instagram photo, like she still looks happy. Like, I don't think she's capable of being sad, um, but there are some more chances to see her and the U.S. women's team. And I want to just um, bring in this really quick clip of when I talked to her for NBC4, because she talks about 
what happens like when speed skating happens. And I've been so fascinated about this because like I figure skated when I was like a child and you can understand like hockey, put the puck in the goal and figure <laughs> skating, like do the jumps don't fall. But I wanted to get in the head of a speed skater because it's just, it's such a different thing that we don't get. Like, you can't rent speed skates and go to the sculpture garden. Yeah. It's such a thing that we don't get to ever like experience. And she broke it down for us. I feel very like light, you know, not like, super nervous or anything like that. I definitely have a lot more like mental tools in the back of my head. It's been really, really nice to have um, a really good support system the past four years. When, when you're ready to race and it's like go and it's all happening, do you like black out in a way or are you thinking mm -hmm. of something? Or are you like on a focal point? What's going through your mind as you're competing at the highest level in speed skating? Yeah, I blackout I don't I kind of it's just like second nature to, to me like I'm not thinking about like everything that's going on like I'm just thinking about um what I need to do to get in the front what I need to do to get a quick start as soon as like that gun like goes off that's when like everything just kind of like washes away so you make it happen and she's just like goes it's so fun to watch them and she'll be up again with the U.S. women's team um at 10 a.m tomorrow Wednesday the 9th very cool. So check it out. Way to go, Mom May Biney. But the um the US women's relay team is favored to to medal. So they have a really good shot of a medal. Oh, good. Knock on but wood. A, yeah. A lot could happen in 1500 meters though. <laughs> yes. And with all the COVID testing and all that, I mean, just everyone stay safe. Oh, the American skater who could uh, 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 I know it's awful. It's awful. I was I I heard that news and I was And like, he can't Dad. even go home. Right. I mean, he just has this, like, oh, he posted on his Instagram. It's, just, oh, it's heartbreaking. I, I don't think I'm a better medical examiner than the Olympic committee, but he's on the ice by himself. <laughs> I know, but they're super strict. He's on the ice by himself. You can bedazzle the mask. I know. So sad. It makes me so sad for him. Yeah. And he taught, like, his statement about how he was, like, uh, he did everything right, and he like missed so much life I and know. all the things. I know, and, uh, I know, I know. It's heartbreaking. So sad. Yeah, but hopefully he's young enough to come back in four years. <laughs> yeah, I think he's twenty-one. So hopefully. Oh, he's oh, in, in speed skating, he's ancient. I think okay. Tara Lipinski <laughs> won at seven, so he okay. he's done so. Sorry, dude. <laughs> but maybe he'll turn into a TED talk, and he'll make a million dollars from that. Hopefully, you know. Um, I want to talk to you about a really cool uh, documentary that's coming out for Black History Month tied to the State Department. So um, Leola Kozolia-Stewart and Rochelle Shapiro and Kylie Kruskauskas uh, from Flow State Films put together this really cool documentary called The American Diplomat, where they told the story of three Black American diplomats during like the Cold War and during like the civil rights um, time at home. And they found these stories and they brought them to life. And it's a documentary for PBS where they talk about um, Edward R. Dudley, Ambassador Terrence Todman, and Carl Rowan. And Ambassador Terrence Todman, actually, they just renamed the dining hall at the State Department in honor of him. So there's these really cool pegs that are happening right now. Um, and Leola uh, told me when I had a chat with her about the documentary that it really came together because of her life in the Foreign Service. Well, I think the genesis for the story um, 
started basically with my own personal experience in the Foreign Service. Um, my husband and I have been a, for, a Foreign Service family for almost 20 years now. And, um, you know, just from that experience, you know, have noted uh, that, you know, as we go from post to post, we're often the only or one of the few families of color overseas. And you start to, you know, well, overseas, but at post and start to wonder, you know, why is that so? Um, at the same time, my husband would, you know, have these great stories of, you know, older black diplomats that he would meet and would tell these incredible stories of their early careers in the State Department that a lot of people just didn't know about and um, thought that because these stories have been, you know, untold that, it, you know, they would likely kind of um, pass away when this when this generation of diplomats passed away. And at the same time, he handed me a book called Black Diplomacy by Michael Crenn, who's featured in the film. And that served as sort of a jumping off point um, for me to dive deeper into this history and these stories. And I brought the idea to Kylie and Rochelle um, as a possibility to, you know, tell some tell some of these stories on film the story of three black diplomats the state department had the well-deserved reputation of being extremely elitist pale male and yale who broke racial barriers the three diplomats that we focus on are edward r dudley terence todman and carl rowan and they all uh, represented the u.s overseas at a really interesting period in, in u.s and in international history which is at the height of the civil rights movement at home and the early cold war period and i think each of the characters um, kind of approach diplomacy in a, in their own way and sort of um, also hit up against institutional barriers and try to break them down in their own unique way What's the reaction and response from the State Department as you're putting this together? Did they have a hand in helping out or were they like, I don't know who you are. What's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I knew well, you until you started making the film. I don't know who you are anymore. Like, <laughs> well, how did this been, come together? Well, it's funny, the State Department, you know, we didn't really, I, we didn't really have a lot of interact, like official interaction with the State Department while we were developing this film. I think um, as we were researching these stories and speaking to, Black diplomats, there was a lot of interest amongst Black diplomats about this history, you know, to finally get these stories out, to be seen, um, to share this history. So, you know, I think there was some personal interest, but in terms of like official State Department interest while we were making the film, you know, I don't really think we were on their radar, but um, there's a lot of interest now. The State Department in the last year has um, created an office, an officer of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so I think there's a real interest in the State Department now to dive deeper into this history, to start conversations, um, to see how they can use that history as a starting off point for changing, um, like reimagining, you know, the State Department right now, the Foreign Service, and how they deal with issues of diversity, equity, and inclusion. I think you put it right out there in the promo too that the State Department used to be very was it male, pale, pale and male, Yale? Yeah, male and Yale. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. you know, them taking the steps to like rename the hall after um, Ambassador Todman. What what does that do for the overall? you know, the, the morale of the Foreign Service members who are there and also the future diplomats who are hopefully going to be 
getting excited about a career in foreign service. You know, the fact that the Secretary of State, Secretary Blinken, was at the ceremony, gave the opening remarks, and in his remarks, he said, you know, I want to embrace this history, to talk about it, to look at it, to not hide it anymore, to elevate it, and to tell these stories. And I think that in and of itself is a huge institutional change when you have the head of the State Department saying those things and acknowledging the history of these amazing diplomats and the legacy of these amazing diplomats. We take you to Liberia in the 40s. We take you to Finland in the 60s. So, Well, it's great that your story um, that you're telling is letting a lot of people and future generations see this as a as a like one ring out from a State Department family, it is an incredible opportunity. You know, our, our, our goddaughters like speak several languages. They lived in Taipei and Beijing. They lived in Tunis. They've been all over the place. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, the, the families who, who come through this, uh, this, this lifestyle have such an interesting perspective on the world. Well, yeah, I, well that's it. Yeah. I was going to say it's such a it, it's a, a job that affords a lot of opportunity to, like you said to see the world to to do things that you might not have done otherwise and so you know one of the main things that we want to get across with this film is you know we're hoping that you know young viewers of color watch this that they see themselves in um you know in these stories and understand that there are people that have created space for us in the world of diplomacy, that it's not just something for a privileged few, that, um, you know, there's, at, you can add your voice to how our country is represented. And these are some of the individuals that have created that space for us to do that. The American Diplomat's going to be on PBS on February 15th. You can check it out. And thanks for joining us this morning. We got a whole bunch of comments. Um, Peggy is excited about drunk shopping at the sample sale 22, Kel. Um, Ernest is really sad in rugby when they get those nice rugby polo shirts all dirty. Beth's got a bunch of movies to watch. And uh, Gary says a very happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday to everybody. Go ahead and like, share, subscribe to our show. Give us a five-star review, even if you feel we don't deserve it. We sometimes deserve it. Yeah. Maybe not all the time, but sometimes we, we deserve it. Today was certainly a four and a half. And when Sarah <laughs> Jessica Parker and Kelly get into a Twitter battle, it'll be a five-star show for sure. I'm not going there. We'll uh, see you next time. I can only hope. <laughs>